All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 1. We're going to break our series on James, which I hardly ever do that, but this is a special day that we remember our foundation and also we remember how blessed we are to be an American. And God's been good to this country. And I thank God for our heritage. I thank God for our country. And, you know, it's, it's not as wholesome and blessed as it used to be, but it's still the best country in the world. Amen. Appreciate that good sounding orchestra. Glad to have Kaylee back off the road and back in the, in the orchestra. And we're just going to keep growing that thing. Amen. That's beautiful music. Amen. I'm glad we don't have to can music, bring it in and, and have uh, smoke coming up from the platform and rock and roll music to be blessed. Amen. God's good. God's good. Judges chapter 1, we'll just read verses 1 and 2, and then we'll turn to the last verse in Judges, Judges chapter 1. Let's stand in honor and reverence of the Word of God. I pledge allegiance to the Bible. Amen. Uh, I know a preacher friend of mine, I went up to a revival this week, heard Brother Ricky Gravely preach. Matter of fact, he, he made note that the reason he is saved because Whitfield Baptist Church started a church in Chatsworth uh, in a storefront, and he went there and visited, and then they picked it. Well, they picked him up as a kid on a bus, and his whole family got saved. Just recently, his 43-year-old sister died and never said a word, never said a word. Uh, she had a she has a, a birth defect, and um, talking about how he's going to see her one time, and she got she got saved. Uh, at that storefront church. So the church didn't last, but the ministry of Ricky Gravely lasts. So we had, we had a part of that. You ought to thank God that we started that church, Grace Baptist Church in Chatsworth, Georgia. Brother John Bowley was the pastor. But I heard a great message on heaven, great message on heaven that night, and I really appreciate it. But the pastor there, before he preaches, makes everybody pledge allegiance to the Bible. Amen? And if I knew it, we'd do it right now, but I, I'd have to have it on the, on the wall or something. But... Uh, We'll just uh, stand in honor of it. It says, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for, for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And I want you to turn back to the last verse of the book. The last verse of the book. I don't know what chapter it is, but I know it's the last verse of the book. Amen. Verse 25, chapter 21. Now this, the first two verses tells us that God blessed that nation so much that He delivered to them the promised land. You know, the walls came tumbling down and Canaan was conquered and God gave them a land filled with milk and honey and blessed them real good like He did America. But look, look at the last verse of this chapter, of this book. And in those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. In other words, they turned from God, and they turned to humanism. Humanism is a religion of self. It's doing what you feel like doing. It's doing what you feel like you ought to do and you want to do. It's making man sovereign and God the servant. Right. Folks, I want to tell you, so that's exactly what's happening in America today. Right. And we need to come back and ask God to make us a nation, one nation, under God. Amen. You know, submission, ladies, will set you free if you'll submit to your husband. Amen. Children, if you'll submit to your parents, it'll set you free. Outside the will of God, 
is bondage. You'll be miserable. You will be mad. You'll be sad if you don't surrender. And Folks, our country should surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So I want to preach this a few minutes on bring back the glory. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the book of Judges. It's kind of a sad book, but Lord, it's a book also that there's hope. Lord, Israel had a glorious heritage as we have a glorious heritage. And then, Lord, they just went away from it. And they forgot it. And they took heathen gods as their gods. And, Lord, you know the judgment that you had to put upon Israel. God, I pray that you'd have mercy upon America, that we'd come back to our heritage and come back to our roots and come back to God. Because, Lord, of all nations in the world, I don't know one nation that was created for religious liberty, to have worship and to crown you as Lord. They had to move out of the, of the uh, state church of England and, Lord, risk their lives to begin a nation that would honor you. So, Lord, help us and bless us to remember our history. In Jesus' name we pray. You know, when I was in school many years ago, graduated high school in 1969, graduated college in 1963, graduated the School of Hard Knocks in 1973 down in Claxton, Georgia, I didn't like history. I didn't like math. Matter of fact, I didn't like school. I didn't like nothing. But no, folks, I want to tell you something. History is God's story. I'm sorry, teachers. Miss Anita's over there laughing at me. To, you know, God's, God's history is His story. And the history of our country is glorious. It is, it's phenomenal. It's exciting. It's thrilling. And the only thing that I am concerned about is i got too much history in this message, and some of y'all are going to think you're in school, and therefore you will thus turn me off. And you will start cutting up, and you'll cut school this morning. But I want to say this, friend. If you don't remember where you came from, how can we get back to where we should be? History's good. I think math's pretty good. You know? Amen? I don't know what you use it for, but praise God, one plus God's enough. Amen? But the book of Judges is not a happy book. It's a sad book, yet it's a book that has hope. It's a book that tells us how God blessed the nation of Israel and how Israel lost her glory. And Israel had a glorious heritage. God does, does some great miracles. You know the story. He split the Red Sea. He sent ten plagues and set them free. The God of the world, Pharaoh, was, had an iron fist over their, their souls. And God humbled the God of this world. Took his firstborn son. The death angel passed by. You know the story. And that, that little boy died. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's sad when God has to get your attention through tragedy. You better put God first because He's good. Because if you don't put God first because He's good, then He'll prove that He is just and that He will correct and that He will chasten and that He will rebuke our selfishness. By the power of God, they broke the bonds of slavery. But they brought into another slavery. They took the gods of Canaan. They took the gods of the new land. And they didn't cast them out. The people of Israel did not appreciate the miracle heritage that they had. 
the blessings of God. God gave them Himself. They had a Lord. God gave them, gave them Cana. They had the land. God gave them His commandments. They had a law. But what did they do? They denied the Lord. They disobeyed the law. And they defiled the land. Reminds me of America. Reminds me definitely of America. God has so blessed our nation. No nation has such, has such a Christian heritage. And folks, I am so sad today that anybody would try to take that out of history. That anybody would try to ignore it. And that anybody would kick the Bible out of the courtroom, the Ten Commandments, 1980. Or kick the Word of God, 1963-64, out of the school. And they would kick God out of the school. It grieves me to think that folks, when we first started this nation, uh, they, they... they memorized the alphabet with A, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And on down through the alphabet, they glorified God. But, you know, we read verse 1 and 2, and it says that Judah shall go up, behold, and I shall have delivered the land into his hand. God blessed Israel. There was days of glorious conquest. Everywhere they went, there was victory. God gave Israel a land. And folks, uh, God gave us a land. I love the beautiful land of America. I like to go to places like Colorado and see the mountains. I think our mountains are prettier, Brother Chris Haynes, because uh, we have greenery on it. Amen? Oh, y'all got sand and dirt. But they're beautiful. I mean, they're, they're beautiful. Uh, west is beautiful. California is beautiful. Uh, the, up north is beautiful. You can speak the language. And it's all beautiful. Amen? But I want to tell you something, friend. God gave us a land, but we took it for granted. God gave us a law, and we disobeyed it. And God gave him him, our, Himself, and we just sort of said, Hey, God, sit, up, sit outside the classroom. And, and He's even sitting outside the, the sanctuary in many churches. And behold, He stands at the door and knocks. That's a picture of the last day church that says, Hey, we got entertainment we got fun, we got thrills, we got a great orator, we got a great program. God, just take a hike. We're going to worship without you. And I'm going to tell you something, friend, that's false worship. But I want you to see a little bit about the history. And children, tune in now. And, and don't, 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 don't look bored. Uh, say amen. Stay away. This is not just history. This is God's history. March 23rd, 1775. The American Revolution was on and Praise God, an impassioned speech by, in the Virginia Assembly uh, by Patrick Henry. Ever heard of him? Patrick Henry. Amen. I know a missionary named Patrick Henry. Amen. We took him on just like that, praise God. It didn't matter if he was a good one or not. I liked his name. Amen. No, not really. Patrick Henry. And he gave, he, he, he gave that never-to-be-forgotten speech. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to purchase with a price of change and slavery? Forbid it, Almighty God, he said. And then in the Virginian stood tall and he said, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And many of those men died for our liberty. Right. Now we remember that he, he uh, but he, he also went on to say this. He said, it cannot be emphasized too much, this is taken out of the history books, or repeated too strongly that America was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not upon religions, but upon the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. Now, folks, that's a speech. Say amen. George Washington, my hero. A lot of people think the only thing he did was cut down a cherry tree or was an apple tree. I don't know what it was. Amen. See, I told you I didn't like history. I should have paid attention, Brother Derek. George Washington, the first father of our country, our first president, the father of America, when he was inaugurated, read the Bible. He took the oath of office with his hand upon the Bible. That's where we got that tradition. And then he leaned down and kissed the pages of God's Word in respect. And do you know what the first official act was by George Washington? You ain't going to believe this, but you just research it. Google it, praise God. No, but uh, uh, he took the entire Senate and the House of Representatives to church. And I mean all of them. And they stayed there for two hours worshiping the Lord. That must have been a Baptist preacher because nobody has enough guts to preach two hours except Baptists. Then George Washington said this, It would be peculiarly improper to admit in this first official act my fervent supplication to the Almighty Being who rules over the universe, who presides in the council of the nations, and whose providential aids can supply every human defect, that his benediction may be consecrated to the liberties and the happiness of the people of the United States. And then George Washington said this, listen, no people can be bound to knowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than the people. United States of America. Every step by which they have advanced to the character of an independent nation seems to have been distinguished by some token of providential agency. In plain English, you know what he's saying? God did it. God established America. Now, a friend of mine, give me a president like that, and I'll amen him and vote for him again. We need to get back to honoring God. But I want to tell you something, folks. The Bible tells us there is no way we can have revival out of the White House. It must be out of your house. And it must be out of God's house. And I want to tell you something, friend. Our country was blessed. Verse 1 and 2 says, I'll give you the land. God gave us the land. And then after we gave us the land, after those pilgrims landed, and and they they blessed God, and the first building was a church, and the first first, church, uh, service, uh, first uh, meeting was a worship service. That's our, that's our history. Pilgrims worshipped God. And they came to worship God. Then they decided that they needed to settle this America. And George Washington, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Abraham Lincoln, to name only a few figures in American history, seemed to see clearly, as Washington stated, the providence of God. You know what the providence of God is? He makes things happen for His will to be done. It's providence of God. The nation did not unfold accidentally, they said, or happenstance. They insisted it was by divine design. Just as Israel had a divine design to take Cana and take the promised land, folks, God blessed America. Or could, and let, let me just read you this. In, eight, in 1783, Ezra Stiles, Stiles, Brother Stiles, spelled with an L instead of a Y. So he wasn't your uncle. 
but you can claim me if you want to. Amen. 1783, Ezra Stiles, the president of Yale, hallelujah, uh, re reviewed the events and suggested why near disaster time and time again suddenly turned to victory. Now let me just give you this, then I'll go on and preach, and y'all don't stop being bored, but this ain't boring to me. In our lowest and most dangerous state, he said, 1776-1777, we sustained ourselves against the British armies of 60 thousand troops. What were they fighting Britain for? To have liberty and be an independent nation from the hierarchy of the Congregationalist Church that was the one state church. That's why we have separation of church and state because no state should tell us how to preach. No state should tell us how to worship and folks the church ought to tell the state how to operate. Amen. So the separation of state goes one way but then they perverted it and folks, now we have separation of church and state, so we can't have the Bible in school, we can't have prayer in school, we can't have the, the Word of God in the, in, the, in, the, in the courtroom. My word, we've got to have some kind of law, say amen. It's absolute law when God says it. Thou shall not. But in 1776, 60,000 troops commanded by the ablest general, generals Britain could procure throughout Europe and with a naval force of 22,000 seamen and above 80 British men of war, who but a Washington inspired by heaven, as Styles could have conceived the surprise move upon the enemy at Princeton, he said, that Christmas Eve when Washington's army crossed the Delaware. By the way, it was frozen. And they said nobody's got enough guts to come across the frozen river on Christmas Eve. But George Washington knew what he's doing. He's led a God. And then he says, who but the rulers of the wind could ask, could have delayed British reinforcements by three months? That's why I love the song, I Know the Master of the Wind. God kept the British away for three months by just blowing his breath against their sails. Amen. And then here's one of the greatest miracles of our, 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 found, our founding fathers. It's a providential miracle, Stiles insisted, the president of Yale, 18, 1783. He said the last-minute detection of a treacherous Benedict Arnold. Y'all know the story, don't you, young people? Young people, listen to it, listen to it. Y'all know the story of Benedict Arnold? You ever heard of it? Okay. Check with your teacher. But anyway, the traitor, Benedict Arnold, which would have delivered, now listen, the American army, including George Washington himself, the hands of the enemy that had killed our first president and that had killed half our army if, if they hadn't detected one man being a traitor. And on the French roll in the revolution, it is God who so ordered balanced interests of nations as to procure an irresistible motive in the European maritime powers to take our part. And so for some strange reason, France sided with this little rebellious nation Called America. Now, folks, you can call that happenstance. You can call that just history if you want to. I call it the providence of God. The providence of God. Folks, he had a reason for this nation. He had a reason that we would be a nation under God. And folks, in the early parts of our declaration of dependence upon God, what I call it, they bogged down. 
They couldn't get it together. They couldn't word it. They just bogged down. You ever done that writing a paper? I do that every time I write. I get bogged down. I have to start thinking and praying. And Benjamin Franklin stood up and he said this. I have lived, sir, a long time. The longer I live, the more convincing proof I see of this truth. That God governs the affairs of man. What a speech. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire cannot rise without his aid. We have been assured, sir, that in the sacred writings, God helped politicians to realize it's sacred writings. He said, we have been assured, sirs, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house. Psalms 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. And I firmly believe this. I beg, I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayer imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberation be held in this assembly every morning. And they did not have to hire a chaplain to do it. They prayed. And folks, after he made that admonition about the sacred writings and the aid of a God that noticed a little sparrow falling from the sky, our Declaration of Independence was written. That's a blessing. Before that, in 1620. How many were there in 1620? No, 1620. The New England Charter signed by King James I. <laughs> Woo! King James. Confirmed this goal to advance, here it is, for America. To advance the enlargement of Christian religion to the glory of God Almighty. Amen. Governor Bradford in the writing of the Pilgrims Landed described that the first act was this. Being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to, to the land, they fell upon their knees Bless the God of heaven. Amen. Folks, I, I just don't know if that excites you or not, but we started right. We started really right. We started with righteousness of God. We started with uh, God's blessing. And folks, it's the providence of God. We need to realize that God Almighty created this nation. Allowed this nation as a bunch of rebels, yes, but I want to tell you something. The 56 men that signed uh, the Constitution of the United States, they said this. With firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. These rich men, not a bunch of pirates, not a bunch of renegades, they pledged their lives their fortunes, and their sacred honor for our nation to sign the Declaration of Independence. Of the 56, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes from Rhode Island to Charleston sacked, looted, occupied by the enemy, or burned. Two lost their sons in the army, the revolution. 
One had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 died in the war from its hardships or from its bullets. Folks, these were not poor men. These were not wild-eyed pirates. These were rich men. They were luxurious in their personal lives. They had much ease. They were wealthy landowners. They were substantially secure in their prosperity, but they considered liberty must be so important that they gave it all, folks. And God help us to remember that these men won liberty by their sacrifice. And we're one nation under God at a great cost. And folks, the Declaration of Independence, John Adams told his little Abigail, his wife, this, uh, this fact, if I can find it, find it, he said this to her, and I'll close with the history and get to preaching. He said, I am well aware of the toil and the blood and the treasure that it will cost to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom, I can see the rays of light and glory. I can see that the end is worth more than all the means. And he was saying, I see liberty, and I see freedom, and I see America. But I will tell you what happened. We see in chapter 2 of Judges, let's get back to the Word of God, something that happened to Israel and it's happened to America. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, would you read with me? It says, The angel of the Lord came from Gilgal to Bochum, and they made you to go up out of Egypt. Great liberty, great miracle. And they brought you into the land which I swear unto your fathers, a promised land. Chapter 2, verse 1 of Judges, you're with me? Let's get to the Word. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. God said it, and he, he meant it. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. Ye shall throw down their altars. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Why have you done this, God asked. And can I ask, can I say that I believe God is asking America, why have you done this? Why have you turned your back on me? All I've done is blessed you. All I've done is saved you. All I've done is uh, create a nation where you can worship God. Look at verse 3. Wherefore I, I also said that I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice, and they wept. And a lot of people weep in church. But weeping's not the end. It's the doing. A lot of people shout in the church. I've been with a lot of shouters this week. Enjoyed myself immensely. Until they set me up on the platform and I couldn't get down. No, no. I was honored. But folks, I want to tell you something. You're shouting on credit if you don't take it home with you. You're shouting on credit if you don't live it. I'm not inclined that anybody down there does it or does. But I'm telling you this, friend. I'm going to say that a lot of people in church weep. And a lot of people have emotions. And I love emotions. I think it, you ought to be emotional. I think you ought to say amen. I think you ought to nod your head. I think you ought to look alert and, and act like you're enjoying the service because some lost sinner needs to know you're interested. Amen. That's right. They're looking at you. They ain't looking at me. They're looking to see how you're reacting. That's why you don't play in church. You don't fool around. Amen. You don't tell jokes. You don't hang the man. Grandson said, what did I do? I'm just preaching that way. Amen. There were days of gradual compromise. Look at verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Listen to this now. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, 
who had seen all the great works of the Lord, and he did for Israel. See, as long as Joshua and his predecessors were alive, man, they were worshiping God, serving God. The walls were coming down. The giants were falling. But I want you to notice verse 10. And also all the generations gathered unto their fathers, and there rose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. That's why as long as I'm pastor, I'm going to take at least one service, and I'm going to teach you history. Because we should not forget what God's done for this country. Today we live in the days of baby boomers and millennials, whatever that is. They don't understand the history of this nation. Matter of fact, they rebel against the history of this nation. They go to the streets and they scream out that we have to have liberty for the lost and the heathen and the liberal. When God created this nation for His people. Amen? And we ought to reach the other people. Praise God. I want to give you a key verse in the book of Joshua. It's the same verse as the last verse. Turn to Joshua, I mean Judges, excuse me, 17 verse 6. Here's what happened when this new generation was born. Chapter 17 verse 6. You with me now? Don't you love to study the Word of God? Say amen. amen. In verse 6 it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, folks, let me tell you something. God never intended for a nation to be established where we could do what we wanted to do. And be what we wanted to be. And if you're a Christian, you ought to rebuke that humanistic philosophy that, you know, if it feels good, do it. If it gets me rich, let's do it. If it makes me popular, let's do it. If it's fun, do it. God did not give His country for you just to have fun. I'm not against fun. You'll see me throwing horseshoes and throwing beanbags eating ice cream in both hands tonight. I love to have fun. I might even get out on the volleyball court I'm feeling so good and whoop the youth. I have fun. Amen. I like it. I like it. I can't get off the ground, but I can still pull the net down and spike it. But I want to say this. I want to say it clearly. God did not die for this country just to feel good about themselves. God gave this country a place to worship so He could be exalted. One nation under God. Amen. And God's blessed America. And I like being here. I don't know about you. Today there's no fixed standard. In 1960, 65% of all Americans believe the Bible was authentic and inerrant and the Word of God. In 1992, 30 years later, it went down to 32% of Americans, according to the Gallup poll now, and that's, that's law around here, 32% of Americans did not believe the Bible or only believed the Bible was literally true. It went down from 65% in 1960 to 32% of Americans believed the Bible was literally true. You know what it is today? I would be surprised if it's over 25%. What happened? What, what, what in the world's going on? 1992, after 70% said there were, there were no more absolutes. That same survey in 1992, they said, no, there's no moral absolute. There's no thou shalt not. It's whatever you want to do. That's the generation that was raised up. A new generation 
of millennials, a new generation. Look at Isaiah chapter 5, verse uh, 20. Let me show you what this new generation believes. It says, Isaiah 5, 20, you with me? I'll preach tonight on the funeral service of America. You ought to come back and hear that. It says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That was a message from Isaiah to Israel, but it could be a message to America today. Folks, we call good, bad, bad, good. We don't know what's good. You know why? Because we kick God's law out of the courtroom. We kick God's law out of the classroom. Some churches even kick God's word out of the pulpit. That's right. So I'm going to stay with the old path. It was a gradual compromise. There the Canaanites were. I want you to look at Judges, and we'll close with this few comments on, Je- uh, on Israel. Judges 1.19. Judges 1.19. No interest in this? Look at this. It says in verse 19, The Lord was with Judah... And he drove out the inhabitants of the mountains, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. I want you to know, friend, that the devil has a stronghold. And I want to tell you something, it's a battle. I just want to say this. If you're conservative, independent Baptist, you are looked on as odd today. You're a weirdo. You're too conservative. You're too fundamental. You're too dedicated. And folks, you know, just loosen up and have fun, the world says. And folks, that's exactly what Israel said. They're too strong. They're too strong. And the Canaanites uh, were not able to deal with the, the giants of that land. And folks, we got some giants we're not dealing with. Drugs. It's a giant. You know how many people are addicted to drugs in America? You know how many people are addicted to meth in Dalton, Georgia? It ought to scare you to drive a vehicle, say amen. That's right. We have um, a society today that says, well, just legalize it. Make it legal. Praise God. I mean, you know, if it, you know, it can't be that bad. We have the giant of abortion in America. I don't know about you, but I believe that life begins at conception. Because God says it, Psalms 139. It says He knew your substance, and, and that the word we get embryo. Jesus did not cease to be human when he was in the womb. Right. Praise God. It became a tabernacle for God. That's life in that womb. Say amen, ladies. And I know some of y'all probably had abortions in here. And I'm not preaching against you. I'm just saying there's life after a mistake. And there's life after sin. And I've had people rebuke me for preaching on it. Well, listen, I want to tell you something. Don't tell me what to preach. Because I'm preaching for the next generation not to make the same mistake you made. Come on, say amen. I know that ain't going to bring in masses of people. Folks, listen, there is um, another God that's just recently been erected. Same-sex marriages. Never thought we'd live in America where we're... It's condoning and authorizing men with men and women with women. You know that's unnatural. You know what Romans says. It's working that which is unseemly. You know what the Bible says. It was Adam and Eve. And I won't say Adam and Steve in your respect, brother. Never has been men with men. It's always, hey, praise 
God for the difference. Say amen. I'm glad my wife looks different than me. I would hate to kiss something that looked as ugly as me. I'm not attracted to that. Say amen. Some of y'all look in the mirror and think you're God's gift to women and kiss the mirror, but I don't. Friend, listen, we live in a world today where men's the final authority and that the congregation has become sovereign and the Word of God's not preached with authority and sin's not rebuked. And friend, we're in a mess. That's a South Georgia word for we're in trouble. The truth has fallen in the streets and it's being trampled by liberals. They try to say we can't have conservative judges. We shouldn't have a preacher or, 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 or the house of God exempt from taxes and all kinds of junk that they're, they're uh, and, and we ought to let it, whoever wants to marry whoever, let them be that. And now they're even pushing in Georgia and just passed a law that homosexuals and lesbians can adopt children. And if they don't, they lose their tax exemption status if they don't let them. My friend, I'm going to tell you something. A child's in bad shape if he don't have a daddy. Oh, and they're really in a bad shape. They don't have a mama. Because you know mama keeps the house together. Say amen, praise God. All you male chauvins just say amen right there. You know it's the truth. If it wasn't for her, that things would fall apart. But we're going to have two men raising a little girl. God help that little girl. Because she won't know who she is either. That's a giant in the land. I know you didn't come here. You want a homemade ice cream this morning. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the truth. America needs revival. It starts with us. If my people, which are called by my name. And then, secondly, there was the Canaanites that were favored. Not only was the Canaanites that were feared, but there were Canaanites that were favored. Look at Judges chapter 1, verse 28 through 30. I love this Bible study. It says, It came to pass when Israel was strong. Praise God, they finally got strong enough that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. He said, you know, what he was saying is, uh, we're going to hire them. We're going to use them. We're going to put them to tribute. Now look at verse 29. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites and dwell with Gishar, but the Canaanites dwelled with Gishar among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Ketron, nor the inhabitants of Nashaloi, but Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. In other words, they were suppliers. Uh, they put them to work. They adopted sin for gain. We have another giant in the land called the lottery. I want to tell you what, friend. Working hard and earning money is a win-win situation. Number one, you stay in shape. Number two, you feel good about yourself, significant men. Our job's very important to us, amen. We want to do a good job. Ladies, you're the same way. It's a win-win situation, but I'm going to tell you what gambling is. Lottery is. It's a win-lose situation. It's a win-lose situation. Nobody can win in gambling unless somebody else loses. Nobody can win a million unless a million people have lost their supper money and some kid has lost their supper money and lost their clothes money because here's somebody playing lucky sevens up here when they ought to be buying milk and bread. Amen. Say amen right there. 
Maybe I have been hanging around the wrong crowd this week, but I'm going to let her rip. I don't think I have. Lottery is sin. Some of you right now is clutching your little ticket in your wallet. Don't, don't, don't look there. Folks, somebody lost something for you to gain something. If you win, it's a win-lose proposition. Work is a win-win situation. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, if you don't, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Amen. That probably summarizes it all, amen? Mm-hmm. The liquor business is a giant in our land. And we're entertaining it. We fought it seven or eight times. I got in trouble because I rebuked some of the big churches downtown that would never stand with us and we could have defeated it with half their membership. But they didn't want it out. It's like old Brother Randy was up there protesting in the city hall meeting. He called the Episcopalians Whiskopalians. I said, I don't know who the guy is. I really don't. I don't know who he is. I think he goes to New Life Baptist Church. I don't know who he is. He rebuked them all as Whiskopalians. I said, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> I thought it was kind of humorous. But anyway, a lot of things Randy do sort of tickles me. But anyway, folks, tax money. Oh, that's what we need. We need to build up Connector 3 and have an have a olive gardens, and we need to have restaurants, and we need to have tax money. I want to tell you something, friend. There's never a community that's profited by liquor. Come on, say amen. I lived in it. I know the profit. I know the hunger. I know the shame. I know the wrecked cars. I know the burned house. I know the pain and agony my mother went through. I know it. It's not a profitable business. Billy Sunday tells the story. He used to preach against it. Boy, I mean, he'd slide into furniture. He was an old baseball player. He'd crash benches over people's, not head, but over uh, other benches, and he was wow. Because he was, he was converted out of dr- being a drunk. Hallelujah. Amen. He was saved from being a drunk. He told this story one time about a man in the Blue Ridge Mountains who caught rattlesnakes for a living. Reminds me of the rattlesnake roundup in Claxton when we used to take the youth to see rattlesnakes. Boy, I'm glad I got out of that place. But anyway, it's fruitcake capital world too. Amen. Praise God. About five people is watching from Claxton right now. I still love you. Amen. But anyway, one day he caught a huge rattler. It had 14 rattles on it. That's a big rattler. And he loved it so much he put a put it in a box on the front porch and he covered it with a lid. And his little six-year-old come out and decided he was going to play with the snake. And he, put, he took, the, took the lid off and that rattlesnake was already coiled and got that little six-year-old right in the cheek. Daddy came home, saw his son's face begin to swell and he cut a big old gap out of his face and he began to suck the blood out of his boy's face trying to save him. But the venom took root. And that boy died. You hear that, you can hear that man going through the woods later on crying, why did I bring it home? Why did I bring it home? Why did I bring it home? And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Every drunk one day will scream out, why did I bring it home? And why did I bring it into my soul? And folks, I'll tell you something. I've seen nothing but damage and heartache and pain 
the Canaanites favored sin. And they feared the sinner. But last but not least, the Canaanites fellowshiped with the sinner. Look at Judges chapter 1, verse 32. But the Asterites dwelled among the Canaanites, and the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. What's the Bible say in James chapter 4, verse 4? The adulterers and adulteress. That's talking about spiritual adulterers. Don't get nervous. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Amen. You hear that? Friendship of the world is enmity with God. Right. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. That's right. Well, I can have my fun. I can have my best friends out of the church. I can have my best activities. I can get more excited about things out of the church than what's in the church. And I can just be a nominal bench woman Christian. But I'll just go be all dedicated to something else. And I'm going to tell you something. It's friendship with the world. come back to haunt you. Yes. Last but not least, we see the days of grim consequences. Look at chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. 2, two 3 and 4. Wherefore I said, I will not drive them out before you, but they will be as a thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. But then verse 10 we see, they said, they rose up another generation that feared not God. They entertained sin and fellowshiped with sinners. And folks, I want to tell you something. God bought this nation. Just as He bought you as a Christian. Therefore, be ye separate. Come out from among them. Because you're bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God with your body and your spirit. That's what the Bible says. For you're not your own! Let me just say this in closing. This nation is not your own. I believe this is God's nation. Amen. I'll just say this. I believe the United States of America should belong to God. Amen. You say, why? Because that's, that's why it was created. That's why men died. That's why men gave up their mansions, gave up their prosperity, gave up their reputation, gave up their sons, and gave up their lives to sign the Declaration of Independence, which is nothing but the Declaration of Dependence upon God. Abraham Lincoln, one of my heroes, besides Ronald Reagan. I won't go to the modern day ones, because everybody is politically divided. But he was going by an auction of a little slave girl, a beautiful slave girl that had been abused and used by many owners, and she was up for on the slave block, and they started bidding on her. And Abraham Lincoln did not believe in slavery, thank God. I don't either. Amen? Amen? I don't believe it. I believe you ought to work yourself. I think you ought to have kids and make them slaves. No, not really. Some of you, that's the only thing you'll get out of the whole message. You'll go home and go, did you hear what he said? <laughs> go ahead. And he went by and he said, hey, I'll bid on her. And he bid on her. And then these other jokers kept on bidding. He outbid them all because he's a pretty rich man being the president. Then he went up to that little lady. She's about 23 years old, beautiful black girl. She said, what are you going to do with me? Where am I to live? He looked at her and said, I bought you 
to set you free. Amen. She began to cry. She began to look up at that big tall giant president and said, well, then I'll just go home with you and serve you. <laughs> she willingly gave herself to be a servant. Amen. And folks, that's exactly what the United States of America should do. Amen. We should willingly give up ourselves and serve the living God as a nation. And as individuals, and as families, as husbands and wives being one together for the pattern for the next generation to see a loving, submissive, godly relationship. We ought to give our families to God. We ought to give our rights up, you women libbers. We ought to give up our, 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 our jobs and make them work for the glory of God. We definitely should give up our churches and say, God, it's your church. It's your message. It's your name. It's your choir. It's your song. It's not about us. It's not Ted Back Amateur Hour. It's not some entertainment. It's not some place that we get feeling better about ourselves and study self-image, but it's study your image and become more like you and be an old-fashioned Bible-preaching church that glorifies God. Folks, if we're ever going to have revival, it must start in the house of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for a little message on America history. God, I hope it's been more than that. I hope, dear God, we realize we brought the snakes home. We've caught the world's attitude. There's a grim consequence that every man did right, that there was no king, and every man did right in their own eyes. And there was a philosophy that I'm going to do what I want to do no matter what God says. And that's the post-Christian era that we live in. And God, I don't know how we got here, but I know it was gradual. And Lord, maybe you gave us a little space of grace for these next four years. God, we need more than that. We need you. We need revival in this, in this country. We need a revival in this church. We need revival in our homes, our marriages, with our children. We need revival in our own hearts. God, help us not to entertain the giants. God, help us not to serve the giants and help us not to fear the giants. Help us not to favor them. And God, definitely help us not to fellowship with them. God, help us to be your people, which are called by your name, and humble ourselves, and seek your face, and turn from our wicked ways. And you promised that you would heal our land.